Sego, Sewagwego. Greetings, everyone. Welcome to our Yohate Negasuna, The Road to Your Name podcast, focusing on Haudenosaunee cultural topics recorded on Haudenosaunee territory. Our podcasts are produced by Aboriginal Legal Services with the technical assistance of Humble Man Recording. My name is Lisa Venevery from the Mohawk Nation and the Wolf Clan. I'm the coordinator of the Yohate Negasuna, The Road to Your Name program and the host of this podcast. Welcome to the Yohate Negasuna, The Road to Your Name podcast series. If you would like to learn more about our organization, Aboriginal Legal Services, and the programs and services we provide, please visit us at our website, www.aboriginallegal.ca. And if you feel inclined and would like to make a donation, you can click on the word Donate, located at the top of the homepage of our newly updated website. You can also visit us on Facebook at Aboriginal Legal Services, Toronto, Canada. This is the Yohate Negasuna, The Road to Your Name podcast series. Sego, today on The Road to Your Name podcast, we have a special guest. Her name is Layla Stotts. And Layla's going to be sharing with us all the different places she's been lately on her journey, what she's been doing, and um, I'm just excited to hear everything she's uh, everything she's doing lately. So welcome, Layla. Oh, thank you so much, Nyawa. Thank you for having me. I feel like I was meant to be here, actually. Uh, and the more that I hear your episodes and and hear about the you know the teachings that are being shared in this podcast. Uh, you know, I realized this is this is a resource for all of us to understand, to learn, to relearn. In my case, uh, learn for the first time some of these stories and and teachings. So I'm just grateful that you're doing this work and uh, you know putting in this time to make sure these stories are told. That's a big, big passion of mine is you know making sure that we use this digital world to tell our stories because we have so many. So you know, I thank you for having me. Okay, well, let's get right into it. Um, I know you're involved in many things. You you sing, yeah, yeah. yeah. And do you write? Do you write songs? Yeah. So I well, I I was singing with my brother Logan for you know uh, well since since we were young, but officially for the last few years, and just had this like fire inside of me that was like, you have songs inside of you. You have. You have a voice. You could be there in the front. And uh, so, yeah, I just, I've started writing, working on my first uh, sort of demo with some help from some friends. And uh, yeah, it's it's been an interesting experience singing without my brother. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think songwriting and, and that creative expression is, it's medicine, you know, it's healing, you know, even just standing up there and, and bearing your emotions, there's a, there's a healing, healing in it. So what do you, what uh, is coming out in your songs? What are you writing about? 
Well, I feel like this last couple of years has been quite an experience, uh, you know, going, working on this documentary. Uh, so I'm working on a documentary about boil water advisories in First Nations communities and the ongoing issues. I've been to seven different communities from the, the Navajo, the Hopi, uh, out in California, up in uh, Nishkandiga, uh, Grassy Narrows, and uh really understanding why this is happening, how it's happening, and to shine a light on it so that, you know, Canada knows what's happening in our, in, right in, in our backyard to our, our Oklahoma people and how they are being, you know, seemingly forgotten. A 27-year boil water advisory is too much. So, you know, that had, that sparked this journey of understanding, understanding the water and understanding how sacred it was, is to, uh, you know, our communities and to our survival and to our, you know, our entire relationship with the living world. So uh, that kind of led me to seeing this big problem and then, you know, wanting to actually put it into action, which uh, brought me to uh, Wet'suwet'en, which is the ongoing current uh, you know, issue with the pipeline and their river. And when I had seen so many rivers that were poisoned, that were destroyed, you know, our very own river, the Grand River, you know, I wouldn't let my kids swim in it. And then I went out there and I saw this, the Wenziqua, which is their sacred headwaters. And it was just like, I drank from it. I, you know, I asked her, I could, can we drink from this water? And she laughed like, <laughs> You know, like, of course you can. We always can. And it just clicked for me. Like, this is something that not a lot of people will experience because we've done too much damage. And so here we are trying to drill a pipeline underneath this beautiful uh, vibe. Like, when you drink it, it, it tingles on your tongue. It's alive. It's, you know, you feel it inside of you. And I was just like, we have to protect it. Uh, so that led to, you know, all of these other issues with our court systems and our our police systems and our governments and our policies and, uh, you know, becoming a political voice for, uh, you know, Indigenous land rights and, and water protection. And, uh, yeah, it's been an interesting journey. So I think in the music, you know, a lot of that comes out mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, bringing, bringing that experience of finding my voice, finding what it stands for, what I believe in. Uh, and, you know, when you, when you stand beside that water, um, that, you know, you know, the way the, you know, the, the law of the land, you feel that, mm -hmm. that natural law within you. And, it's just there's this urgency, definitely now an urgency uh, to make people wake up to our water crisis because it's not just an indigenous issue. You know, this mm -hmm. is this is a global crisis uh, that we all have to, you know, step up and, and be aware. So, uh, yes, yeah, so I've been doing a lot of work with that and sharing speaking to schools and organizations and understanding, helping them understand uh, that our relationship to water, like most of us didn't even think about how much water we use today, you know, mm -hmm. to wash the dishes, run a dishwasher, flush a toilet, you know how much water it takes to flush a toilet? Um, you know, and these are things that we just, we just kind of put in the back of our mind. So yeah, I'm really excited that this new film is going to bring some awareness to, you know, the, the issues going on in our communities and also, you know, that ongoing trauma that was uncovered in every community that was, you know, you could feel the parallels of, of residential schools, of addiction, of depression, of suicide. Uh, and it was just like everywhere. So, uh, 
uh, you know, it's, it, it's going to wake people up. That's my mm-hmm. hope. <laughs> mm-hmm. So how far along are you in your um, film? Uh, we are almost done. Our hope, our goal, I don't even know if I'm allowed to say this out loud, is is, uh, is to get it out for Sundance. And I, I'm very connected to this Sundance uh just the it keeps coming up in my journey, you know, and and there's this there's this interesting um, pair, like this interesting dynamic of of different cultures and different tribes beliefs, you know, Anishinaabek and uh, Haudenosaunee, and but the Sundance keeps coming up as as this this mode of healing, this this sacrifice, this four day dance, you know, where you're sacrificing everything, all of your comforts. Uh, for whatever it is that you're praying for. And for me, it was just like, it keeps popping up that it's something I'm, and then it came up as the deadline for this film. And so we're like, oh, I'm like, Sundance, really? Mm-hmm. Again? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, I keep getting that message. Uh, and then on the, ju- the journey, it was one that, you know, kept coming up. They were preparing for Sundance and they had this tree of life that was in the middle of their, their Sundance and uh, on this tree of life, up in the bark, he says, look up in that bark. He says, what do you see? And it was like this, looked like the friendship belt, all in like dark bark, all the way around this tree of life, like the symbol of nation to nation, you know, unity and, and, and solidarity and understanding and accepting of each other's, you know, teachings and stories and ideas and our histories and our shared traumas. So it's really been... Uh, you know, if I look at who I was two years ago at the beginning of this pandemic, and then, you know, like now it has been a life-changing experience. But again, still feeling like a baby, still feeling like I just want to soak in so much knowledge and and uh, and understanding and lots more to go. Mm. Mm-hmm. Wow. So you've been doing a lot of traveling, mm-hmm. a lot of creating, listening to people's stories. And I know you spent a lot of time here in this community at the Reclamation. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about your involvement there and how you felt and the importance of land? Yeah, I think even now, like even now more so as I look back on it, how significant it is that we must, uh, you know, defend our land from these these developments from progress, the idea of progress. You know, I went out to uh, Gunastado, yes, a couple days ago, and I was just walking through there. And uh, one of the community members had come in and, and planted white corn, a big white corn field. And, you know, the bush was growing back and it looks like weeds to most people, but it was like vibrant and diverse. And there was butterflies and trees. And, and then as we drove up, there was a deer that ran away. And I was like, oh, wow, like, if if our people hadn't said no, if our people hadn't resisted uh, in the way that they did in 2006, this this would be a suburb. Mm-hmm. This would be pavement. This would be you know cookie cutter houses side by side, row by row, and that's that's progress for you know most of society. But our people see things differently and that connection to that land, I was like, oh, this land is coming back to life. You know, this land is is taking, it's healing itself in the way that it's meant to. It's just being left alone. Uh, and so, yeah, it was, it was a big eye opener for me of why, um, why it's so important. Uh, but also, you know, seeing how, how challenging it is, you know, you feel like it's hard to feel like you're actually making a change. 
And that was the one thing when I got arrested in Wet'suwet'en, uh, you know, I felt like uh, it, it didn't, you know, does, is this going to really matter? Um, you know, is, is it going to make any changes? A pipeline is a billion dollar corporation going to care about 36 people that got arrested that were willing to put, you know, their life in front of violence for this river. Uh, you know, and I, I remember being on that bridge and seeing, you know, 100 RCMP attack dogs, helicopters, uh, you know, assault, right? Like a, a gun pointed directly at you. You're like, he's that, that guy's aiming at me. Uh, and I, I sang like, I, I just, I somehow acapella out of like the, out of this fear moment of silence, you know, I sang to these, these cops and I sang a song that I wrote called white pine. And it's all about, you know, burying our hatchets and coming together in the tree of peace. And I was like, maybe they'll feel it. Maybe they'll feel it. Maybe this will be enough to stop the war. Uh, but it didn't. And uh, mm-hmm. as soon as the song was done, you know, they 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 moved in. I'm like, oh, I should have made that song that never that never ends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> One of those ones. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's it's been uh, it's been challenging in many ways to feel like to keep doing the work, um, you know, and then also to you know continue continue on. But then it's like the alternative. And, mm-hmm. you know, standing in Gunnostado, I was like, no, the alternative is, is just a kilometer down where this land looks very different. And uh, if we don't keep doing it, if we don't keep standing up, if we don't keep resisting however we can, and I find, uh, you know, I'm I'm not one to, you know, promote, you know, going out and, and, and breaking laws and, you know, being a criminal as I've I've been, you know, in some ways labeled with criminal charges. Um, but sometimes they're the only way is, is this act of, of, of civil, uh, unrest. And that's where I feel like the change comes from. That's where I kind of get my optimism from is not from Justin Trudeau or Doug Ford, uh, mm-hmm. you know, or these political leaders from the top. It's this movement, it's this stir, it's this shake that's happening at the bottom of this these grassroots movements of people uh, of all nations, you know, waking up. And, and I, I often think if you, once you learn something, you can't unlearn. So as you start to see more of the injustices and, and the racism and the, the genocide that was put on Indigenous people and how they're recovering, how they're healing, how we're traumatized, you can't unknow that. And you operate differently as a Canadian. And mm-hmm. I think that that's the responsibility of all Canadians is to, to get that new sense of awareness and, and, and operate all of us together. Uh, you know, I was asked to do a, a land acknowledgement at uh, Queen's Park. Uh, and I was like, well, I'll do it if I can do it my way. Uh, mm-hmm. Because, you know, I feel like these these land acknowledgements, they they've almost be they've almost become uh you know offensive because all of these organizations these government officials are acknowledging that this is our land that this this was the land of our people but there is no action or accountability behind that there is no work to uh create relationships with the land to create communication with the indigenous people and i just feel like 
I put a challenge out actually to all these organizations. I'm like, as you're putting out your land acknowledgements, you know, I, I challenge you to include, you know, a call to action in that land acknowledgement. Like, where do you stand? Do you land back? Like, you know, like these are, these are issues that I feel really passionate about. And I think my, my experience with the land and seeing it alive and feeling it alive and, you know, having that relationship with it has intensified. Mm -hmm. So sometimes it's starting with like the kindergartens and teaching them to, you know, go introduce themselves to a tree and uh, mm -hmm. form a relationship with a tree. And, you know, now they're like, Oh, miss, miss Layla, we, uh, we said hi to the river again when we drove past and just this little thing of like saying hi to the river and seeing it as a living entity that you, you know, you say like, Hey, what's up river, mm -hmm. you know, and, and it, these are their future civil engineers of, you know, the cities and the towns and the, the CEOs of companies that'll be making those choices, whether to drill under a pipeline or go around. So, you know, it's on all levels, all levels mm. of growth. So where do you find the time is my next question. <laughs> oh my gosh, I know. Are you teaching as well? Are you doing workshops? Yes. I so I, I, well, the summer slowed down for, you know, schools, obviously. So that gave me a little bit of time to get this film done. Mm -hmm. And so the film we're looking at hopefully will be out uh, January of 2023. And... Um, it's an interesting, it's, it's not like a documentary you've ever seen before because it's, it's going to these places and me sort of hosting and, and telling these stories and helping these people share their voices. But at the same time, it's, it's this road to my name. It's this understanding, like at the beginning of the film, I'm, I'm like, I don't know if I should be doing this. Like, I don't know if I'm the one to tell the story of the water. And at the end, I'm like, you know, you are the one, like the water is alive and you see, see this transition of, of personal uh, personal experience that makes it really uh, a little bit scary, actually, to be honest, and some, mm -hmm. in some ways, you know, you're letting people into your life and your fears and it's not acting. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Whereas you're mm -hmm. in a film acting like a character, this is really just my life and my experience going on this journey. So, um, so yeah, that's some, I, I think we're almost finished. There might be a couple wrap up scenes, but uh, then, uh, going to uh, none of it and uh, going on to these youth workshops. So that's been one of the big passions now that I've seen so many youth and, and connected with so many youth in these communities dealing with suicide and dealing with mental health issues and depression. And, um, you know, for me, film, music, songwriting, creativity, art, uh, even, you know, digital media like this, like this is expression. This gives... Uh, you know, there's no reason a, a, a kid in none of it can't start a podcast about the stories in his in his territory. Uh, and so I've been working on some workshops for the youth to help them, you know, through it's called storytelling or healing through our stories in a digital world. So just different ways that that they can do that. And we're we're taking it up to to uh, none of it and the Northwest Territories in October. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I'm very busy, very mm -hmm. busy. But uh, also have three little ones. So I'm a mom of three, uh, which is crazy, but they, uh, they've been a really great cheerleading squad yeah. and, you know, been seeing me on stages and, uh, you know, and just, just watching. And, uh, I think it's been really important for them to see this, this growth in their mom, uh, and, you know, her finding her power and her strength inside of herself. So, oh yeah, for sure. Um, 
Oh, I know what I want. I want to ask you, what's the name of the film? Uh, so the run, we haven't officially decided, but I think it's called Boil Alert because it's all about the boil water advisories. Okay. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, it should be coming out soon. My current, I had one that I actually, I've been screening right now that I self-produced yeah. and I, I did it about three years ago. I got like a little grant from, uh, uh, you know, nonprofit organization to make, um, some kind of art about water. And mm-hmm. I was like, Hmm, does film count as art? So I just got, got a drone, got a cannon, and I just made this little mini documentary about, it's called Blood and Water. And uh, it's about my papa being a survivor of residential schools and uh, him being very afraid uh, of of his Mohawk identity. Like he didn't, he would tell us not to tell people we were native. Um, you know, he didn't want us going to the reserve uh, he says dangerous, like all of this programming and, and like that code of shame that was passed down through residential schools. But even through that, he taught us about the water. Like my papa dug these ponds on his land and and uh, provided clean water to all his houses. And he always told us like, you know, do something to protect the water. Like he wanted me to be a biologist, a marine biologist, because I was very smart. And he was like, you know, you go into water. He's like, study water because whoever, you know, has the clean water at the end, they're going to be the ones that, you know, survive. It's going to be like gold. And I was just young then. And uh, so even though he didn't learn his language or culture, uh, you know, speak a single Mohawk word, he, they couldn't take away that connection he had with the water. He knew it was alive, that land, he walked it. And, uh, so that's what that film's been about. And, and screening that one has been a lot of fun because it opens up, a uh, a doorway. It's like a 20 minute short film and it kind of opens up a conversation for people to understand that residential schools are something we're still, we're still understanding. Like I, when I started working at Woodland Cultural Center, it was some of this stuff that I was learning for the first time that mm-hmm. happened to my family, that happened to my grandmothers. And, you know, it was like, whoa, like I didn't, I, how did I never know this happened? How was I never taught this in school or by my family or my parents? Like, and it was, uh, it, it was a healing journey for sure. It still is. And I think it's important for people to realize it's not just something that happened a long time ago. It's not just something that, you know, an apology can make, make it better. Um, there's real, real world, like real world, uh, trauma that we're still living with. Uh, and I've seen it with my own eyes now, um, in communities across Turtle Island. And it's the same, like these boarding schools in the United States, it's the same. Um, And it doesn't matter whether we're Navajo or Ojibwe or Mohawk, like these are things that that can bring us together and they can make us stronger if we we take this challenge to understand it and, and heal from it. So... Well, it seems like your experiences you've had with traveling all over has has inspired um, more creativity in you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what, what are you thinking about doing next? Well, I definitely want to put out my EP. That's like high on my list to because uh, every everywhere I go, people are like how do I find your music? I'm like, you can, it's just on my (laughs) iPhone, like hidden from the world. Um, so yeah, that's, that's definitely on my, on my list. But one of the things that I'm really interested in that unfolded during this filming experience is, 
uh, providing more opportunities for Indigenous storytellers. And, you know, whether it's in the audio, visual, whether it's in camera work, uh, editing afterwards, sound production, uh, you know, I feel like I remember I was I was filming and I had this idea. It was called, I, I've, I've kind of soft launched it just on Facebook, but it's called the Indigenous Media Coalition. And so um, I've noticed DJ Shub, he put out a, a post and it said, hey, I need an indigenous makeup artist. Uh, I need an indigenous choreographer and an indigenous uh, camera guy. And he just put it on a status. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's the best way we have to find our talent. Like is a Facebook status. We need a place. Like we need a, a registration. We need like a community that supports each other, that gets each other work and gigs and, uh, you know, making sure that we're using uh, indigenous, uh, indigenous artists and indigenous cameramen behind the camera. Like all of this, it was really imp- like I, I saw a big opportunity where we could help each other. Um, mm-hmm. And maybe also, you know, creating that that community dynamic between all of us as indigenous people um to support and promote each other's work and uh you know because i know we talk like i know it's been talked about like the effects of lateral violence and people feeling like we don't really support each other you know Mm -hmm. sometimes it's uh and there's so much so much feelings of of trauma and past that have created this but you know i do feel like as we start to make a voice in in the media industry and in TV and film, uh, there's an opportunity for us to bring, you know, our true selves, and that that's one of connectedness, and that's mm-hmm. one, you know, as we as you know, this rising tide will lift all of our boats, will lift us all up as we continue to uh, to promote each other. So that's one thing that I'm working on, kind of just like a passion side project, um, and. And then I felt like I probably should write a book. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, holy, I got all these stories of like eagles popping out at me and like all these moments that I've had in all these places, mm-hmm. like thunder and lightning, like speaking to like, oh, I was just like, man, it needs to be in a book. I'm like, the film's just not going to get it all. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so there's a lot on the, on, on the horizon, but I feel like it's all work that I want to do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I was really appreciative of the time that I, I spent at Woodland Cultural Center and, and helping them with their social media and marketing. And we, you know, we we completed that Save the Evidence campaign and raised like $24 million to to save that building. And, uh, but then I was just like, you know what, I think I just need to go off and like just follow my journey. And just, it was scary. You're like, oh my God, you're quitting a full-time job. Like there's no uh, security. Uh, and I was like, no, I believe, I believe in my, myself. I believe I can do this. And then started booking, you know, workshops and speaking and, and film screenings. And I was like, okay, I can do this. You know, mm-hmm. we can, we can, and I think indigenous people are like naturally entrepreneur, entrepreneurial, yeah. you know, we, yeah. don't, we don't particularly like being told what to do by a boss actually. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, the whole work from home thing was great. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so there's a lot, I don't know how I find time. I, uh, create time <laughs> somewhere, but yeah. I've been just kind of taking some time as I got back from filming with the kids and going on camping and adventures and before they go back to school. So mm-hmm. I'm prepping for September. <laughs> like, yeah, we'll just. Which we'll, is just around the corner. Yeah, we'll just be on holiday mode. But I think that's important, you know, just taking those unplugged times too mm-hmm. and just 
it was a lot to process. It was, you know, you're sitting with, you're sitting with people that are bearing their souls to you and you're, you're hearing these stories of, you know, trauma. And, uh, one of the, one of the chiefs there that I spoke to, he's like, Layla, I've given CPR to 26 youth mm-hmm. to, and not, I haven't been able to revive one of them. And like, just seeing this, this man, like struggling with this, with seeing what's happening to the youth of his community, it was just like, whoa. So yeah, I had to take some time and mm-hmm. just unplug and mm-hmm. process everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, um, it's tough when we when we look at the trauma and see it in front of us. Mm-hmm. But we also know there's resilience behind that, mm-hmm. you know, c- because we see that as well. Mm-hmm. So to keep going, I think it's important to be inspired by your passions mm-hmm. and go where your passions are. Uh-huh. Yeah. Quit yeah. that full-time job if you have to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I feel like that too. Uh, it was so nice in Grassy Narrows because I had these really powerful interviews with the youth Um and then the very last day we went to their powwow and it was like a traditional powwow. And uh, I, I guess I kind of like those ones a little bit better. There's not so much of the competition and the yeah. spectatorship. And it was just really like, like it felt like the community just came together and they served everyone food. Like every, just everybody got to eat. I was like, wow, like this is awesome. Uh, but then just that moment of seeing, uh, you know, seeing our people in their true, in their, in their true authenticity and just connected to that land and the drum and the dancing and each other and the food. And, you know, it was just like, wow, this is, this is where the healing happens. And we got to keep doing this. We got to keep coming together. We got to keep celebrating, um, mm-hmm. because that's, that's a, a medicine for us. And, mm-hmm. and that's also why, you know, the pandemic has been really hard because it's taken, taken a lot of that away. Um, and so spaces like this that are still virtual, but, you know, it's kind of like, a lot of people are like, well, I just feel like I know you anyways, you know, <laughs> like you, you can sit in a room and, and have a chat and, <laughs> and uh, share stories. Yeah, for sure. And Thomas King said, all we are are our stories. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that line from his book. Um, and maybe pretty soon we're going to be reading one of those great lines from your book. Yeah, I think <laughs> there might be a few one-liners in there. <laughs> oh my goodness. So what else What else can we talk about? What else do you want to talk about? Oh, wow. Well, I, you know, I feel like for me, the understanding of uh, not having this, this measurement of... Nativeness. I think it's uh, you know when I when I heard the the name of your podcast and it was Road to Your Name, uh, it made me think of the times in my life as especially as a youth when you know I was like who am I like am I native like what am I like I I, I don't feel accepted out there you know because I'm I'm a, a city kid and uh, you know I don't I'm getting bullied in town because I look different and mm-hmm. um, you know it was just like where do I belong. And so there was all these measurements, you know, you felt like, I remember like somebody called me for the first time, called me an apple. I was like, what the heck does that mean? Um, And then it was like red on the outside and white on the inside. I'm like, oh, okay. So I'm not red enough. And like having this, this programming that you're not indigenous enough, 
you know, I have a status card. Like, I'm like, what, what do you have to be? And then realizing these measurements, these, these, you know, these levels that we put on it are, are, it, it, it's bigger than that. Um, but also knowing that there's a whole lot of people out there that do feel that disconnection and they're afraid. Yeah. Uh, you know, I remember I was very afraid the first time I went to Longhouse. I was like, oh my gosh, am I going to do something wrong? Uh, you know, and then I went in there and I was like, this is, this is not that bad. Like we're playing peach pit. I'm like beating people in this game. Uh, you were eating. Uh, I was like, okay, this is not scary. Like I thought, um, and then realizing that there's probably a lot of people out there that want to, they want to learn, they want to go back and, and they're afraid. Um, so for me, it's just been like taking those little leaps, taking those little steps, um, you know, speaking, speaking the language, uh, even that for me, learning the language and then actually saying it in front of people was like, yeah, it's like worried everybody's going to judge me or criticize me or I'm going to do it wrong or I'm going to say something wrong. Uh, so when you just let go of that fear of, you know, what will other people think and you just get into touch with like, who am I? What, what feels right for me? Uh, for me, that was, you know, that kind of guiding force that, and we talked about, uh, you know, that Thanksgiving address and, for me, uh, I was working with Dayahande, and you guys mm -hmm. had him here on your show the other yeah. day, I saw. Uh, and he was working with me on the Thanksgiving address, and we wanted to we put together, uh, you know, a shortened version, a digital video um, that was, you know, very eye-catching and engaging and uh, could be played for, uh, we did it for Woodland, actually, and, and some of the other organizations. And then... Uh, for me, that just, it started to unlock that connection that I had the, to the relationship uh, around me to everything. And that it wasn't, it wasn't just, it wasn't just thankfulness. Um, you know, the very first time I heard the Thanksgiving address, I was at a, a conference on, on Six Nations. It was a Women's Day conference. And uh, I was sitting there, like, eating my breakfast, like they have food always, and, you know, kind of nervous and not knowing anybody. And I heard them speak the Thanksgiving address. And I was like, hmm, like, I don't know what that is. I know I should know it. I know that it, I, I do know it. Like I, a part of me knew it was like, this is, this is significant. This is important. Uh, I need to pay attention. I need to ask questions. And then afterwards feeling very nervous to ask the question, like, what was that prayer we said at the beginning? Uh, just for feeling like a, like an idiot, because I don't know, like I have never been taught what that is. I, but something told me, just ask the question. Um, and then what someone explained it to me, it's our Thanksgiving address. We do it before all of our gatherings and it, it, we give thanks. And uh, then Dayahande, as I started to work with him and I, I'm like, I want to know more about it. Like, I, I want to understand it. Like, I feel like it's more than just words that we recite. There's something deeper to it. Uh, and he started to explain to me that it's it's not just thankfulness, but it's 
honoring that relationship. And in a relationship, there's a give and there's a take. You know, what can you give? What do you take? What do they give you? How can you improve? You know, when we think about our relationships with our spouses or whatever, like we have to be thinking about those things. So it's the same with the trees and the birds and the and the plants and the animals. It's like we, we're in this constantly um, fluid relationship that we can give energy to or we cannot give energy to. And then as you start to, you know, pour that conscious energy and focus and, and gratitude and honoring into the Thanksgiving address, I just felt like I started to see things differently. You know, I would see the dew on the grass differently. I would see it like the stars, um, you know, and it was just mm-hmm. little things that would open up inside of me. I would, I would look at the skies and I would see the birds where I wouldn't look up before, um, where I didn't take the time. Uh, so it started to you know, as strength in that relationship, like a, like a muscle, like a, you know, you don't go to the gym and just get biceps in a day, you do it daily Mm -hmm. and you grow that muscle and you grow that connection and that relationship. Uh, and then now, you know, like people, some people will make fun of me and be like, Oh, Layla's going to go talk to the trees in the water now. Um, but I'm like, yeah, like, I feel like when I get home from a crazy filming experience, I, there's a tree that knows me that I know that I just want to go sit with and like unload all this mm-hmm. stuff because the tree doesn't judge me. The tree and and learning about this deeper connection. Like I remember I was in Grassy and she's like, oh, let's play the drums outside and sing this song outside so we can, uh, so Mother Nature can hear it too. And I was like, oh, I'm like, yeah, like, they're hearing us sing. It's for them too. It's for the trees. It's for the grass. It's for their land. It's for the earth. We're all like, we can give that to them. We can sing and bang this drum for them. Um, and it just, you know, that, and it all came back from that, from that first initial understanding of my relationship to all of these elements of life Mm -hmm. that, you know, we don't take, we don't take three minutes to be grateful most of the time. We don't take three minutes to think about our connection to water, um, you know, what we're doing for it, what it does for us every day. Uh, and But when you do, more of that starts to show up, I feel like. So when you do put that energy into your relationship with the animals and the birds, suddenly you start to see more birds. You start to hear more birds. Uh, they start to appear. They start to speak to you, send, send you signs and signals and messages, I feel like. Uh, and, you know, now people think I'm like this crazy a crazy person that gets messages from birds and trees and water. But, uh, but like, I really, I'm like, I just feel it. And I, I've, I think, I think that I'm meant to feel it. And, uh, you know, I'm meant to unlock those connections and maybe, <laughs> you know, I feel like we all can. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm That's hopeful. the way it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the, the tree listens. I'm thinking that should be the name of your book. Tree lessons, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I really, I really love the way you explain the Thanksgiving address and your connection to it. That is like so beautiful. Yeah, and you were we were talking about that um, exposing a, a baby. The first thing that they hear is that Thanksgiving address, and it took me back to like that, almost that rebirth and that baby me. Um, of not knowing anything about being Haudenosaunee. I remember somebody asking me if I was Haudenosaunee. I didn't, I'm like, 
mom, what's Haudenosaunee? And like, I didn't even know. I'm like, are we Iroquois? Are we Mohawk? Are we what, like, what are all these things? What do they mean? Just being so completely oblivious and, uh, you know, feeling like they had that birth in that moment of hearing the Thanksgiving address. And it just started to, I started to grow and grow and grow. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I think that's, uh, it's a, it's hopefully a journey that I'm, 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 you know, wanting other people to follow and, you know, people that are afraid, people that are afraid to ask that question. What is that? Uh, Mm -hmm. Be curious. Uh, Come, you know, come to events, come to gatherings, come to the community program. Like there's so much programming on Six Nations that it's just, you know, if you want to learn how to do pretty much anything, there's a program for it. Mm -hmm. Um, And a lot of, a lot of people are just, you know, maybe hesitant to, uh, to go. So, I feel like this connection to learning and ways to learn like this, like on a podcast where you can just, you know, you're at home. You don't have to go anywhere. (laughs) You don't have to leave your house and we're in your ear teaching you stuff. Yeah, for sure. And um, the road to your name now, we're in our fourth season. This will be a part of our fourth season. And we have 10 episodes per season. So, um, yeah, go to our podcast and find out some stuff. Cool. (laughs) Well. It has been so great chatting with you about all your adventures. I know. And I actually, I really like the fact that we're face to face right yeah. now. You know, like I can see your smile yeah. and it's not through this digital screen or window. And, yeah. um, you know, you're, you're, we're just talking. I'm hearing you with my actual ears. Your yeah. voice is hitting my ears. Oh my gosh. It's not through a speaker. Uh, so yeah, there's, there's, there's power in that, uh, yeah. in the face to face storytelling and in, in, in sharing people's voices and you're doing a great job. Wow, Yahweh. Um, so if you want to listen to um, Layla and her EP, yes. it'll be out soon. Yeah, hook me up, hook up with me uh, <laughs> on all the socials, Layla Stats. It was... Uh, and they can see where you're traveling yep. to and when mm-hmm. the film comes out. Definitely. And, and everything Layla. Do you have a website? Uh, it's in the progress. It's in works uh, right now. Be with a na- recent name change. Mm-hmm. Um, went back to my my name, um, which is interesting as well. It's a whole other part of the story that we won't get into. But uh, but yeah, so uh, that's in progress. But yeah, Layla Stotts on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook, and mm-hmm. you can find me. I'm out there. Okay. (laughs) All right. So, Nyawe, for joining us. And I look forward to seeing where you go next. Amazing. Thank (laughs) you so much, Nyawe. Nyawe, thank you for listening to this episode of the Yohate Negasuna, The Road to Your Name podcast, which has been produced by Aboriginal Legal Services and hosted by me, Lisa Venevery. There are 10 episodes in this podcast series. Let's meet again on the next episode. This has been the Yohate Negasuna, The Road to Your Name podcast series. If you would like to learn more about our organization, Aboriginal Legal Services, and the programs and services we provide, please visit us at our website, www.aboriginallegal.ca. And if you feel inclined and would like to make a donation, 
you can click on the word donate located at the top of the homepage of our newly updated website. You can also visit us on Facebook at Aboriginal Legal Services Toronto Canada. This has been the Yohate Negasuna The Road to Your Name podcast series. Yeah.